This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. We got stuff to get into, and of course, what we have worked on, at least the smart people have, for an entire day, Yeah, we are basically going to throw in a trash can in the first 25 seconds of the show, based on the last 15 minutes of conversation leading into today's program. That's why I'm laughing. That's why there's smart people in Bristol and us idiots get in front of the camera. You have to be able to change course. You have oh. to be able to evolve at any moment. It's like Clint Eastwood in Heartbreak Ridge, right? Fake left, go Adapt, right. Adapt, overcome, persevere. That's right. That's every segment of this show. Uh, well, there is no doubt. One thing a producer will never say on this show, as scripted in the A's. You'll never hear that, right? You might not even hear as scripted in the C's or D's or E's. Uh. You know, we fly off the rails quickly around here. Pat. We do, and I gotta, I gotta get something off my chest because it's already bothering me. You, okay. you, you know, it's what seven oh one a.m. Yes, and quite frankly, your day should not be ruined by seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, but I feel like mine already has, and and I I can't go into detail why that is. Okay, but like you just said, it, at a spur of the moment, you could hear something. And it just absolutely ticks you off, and that's kind of where I am right now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. In the last 15 to 20 minutes, your body language has changed dramatically. Oh, I'm just so disappointed. The the attitude has shifted a little bit. And I was so excited because we had a fun show yesterday. We're going to have a great time. Oh yeah, we are. Yeah, always. But man, I was given some news in the last 15 minutes that just kind of ruined my entire day, and I want to get over that hump. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. But it's 7.02 a.m., and now we have two hours and, what, 58 minutes Boy, to go in the show. Your math is much better than Wes's. George Tech. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> five calculus classes. Five. Uh, 7.03 now. All right? And that means once the show is over, you have the entire day to get back into the right frame of mind. Well, I'm going to do it during the show. Oh, good. That's for, good. for the audience. Incrementally. Yeah. Hour one, and then a little better in hour two. I, I was told something 20-some-odd years ago before I started doing this stupid business of radio and TV. Yeah. That the guy or the woman at home or in their car does not care if the host is having a good day or a bad day. So if, if the world's coming to an end, they don't want to hear about it. Yeah, but here's the thing. But if guess you're... what? It's too late. I've already told you. Well, it's like our our, our our good pal, former colleague here, Lou Holtz, used to say, don't tell people about your problems. That's right. All right? And I'm not. Because, hey, what's that? And I'm not. Because 10% of the people don't care, and the other 90% are glad you have them. That's exactly. Holt, listen. Right? Lou Holtz, uh, I love Holtz. Because he, you know, he comes up with all that kind of stuff, and he's normally 1 trillion percent right. Correct. And, he's, and in this particular case, Correct. he's absolutely right. <laughs> By the way, we got 60 stinking days till we kick off the college football season. 60. How are we almost, I mean, how are we two months away? I'm, ready for, I'm ready for it. You ready right now? Uh, yeah. All yeah. Right. If we played this weekend, I'd be good to go. Oh, absolutely. I'd be good to go. Not so sure teams would be good to go. No, they would not be. But would I, you know, but <laughs> would I you watch? I yes. don't want to hear about their problems. You know, I'm the consumer. That's I, right. I want college football. So we're 60 stinking days away. 
from Kick, and it'll be here before you know it. By the time we get yep. to the media days, which get cranked up in the middle of July for all the leagues and so forth, that to me, I said this the other day, kind of feels real. like it really does. I mean, yeah. you get a chance to go face to face with the coaches and the players, and you get to start getting into stuff. It's all cool. Everybody's jacked up. The coaches are in a great frame of mind. Nobody's lost yet. Mood. Nobody's lost. You've got you get an opportunity. What I love about that setting is. You get a chance. You mentioned this actually yesterday on the show. The one thing about football is it's it's not often easy to put a face to the name or put a face to, you know, the individual that you're seeing running around out there. And in an ACC kickoff scenario or any conference media day scenario, you finally get to see these kids without anything but a suit or a tie or a button down and... You get to know them in a different manner. Right. That's what's great about football. Not that other sports aren't aren't great, but you don't see the face-to-face. Yeah, like even when you do, uh, and I know you don't do this or, or are interested, but even if you do the basketball tip-off media right. day, you see what these – I mean, you already kind of know what they look like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But football is different. Totally. Totally, right. It's just a totally different beast with all that. And here's the other thing about our league. I can't speak for everybody else. But the student-athletes in this league, and if you've watched this show for the last three years, regardless if we're talking football, women's lacrosse, uh, badminton, I mean, you pick a sport. The student-athletes in this league are spectacular. I mean, they are great. They can have a conversation. They laugh with you. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. different cut. Yeah. And, and I, to me, it's refreshing. And that's the cool thing about being on ACC Network and dealing with the student-athletes. And then you get in a setting like that, Tom, it makes it even better. Everybody's suit tie, yes or no suit. Yeah. They have conversations. You go, man, not only are they a really good player, but they seem to be a really solid person. So speaking of badminton, yeah. do you know what the little thing is that they have? Do you know what that's called? A birdie? Nope. Nope. That is actually not what it's called. Boy, mine, now my day is really ruined. No, go ahead. Shuttlecock. A shuttlecock. Oh, thank you. Yep. That would be Robert, by the way. Robert? Captain Ron and Robert, both of the answer. Yeah, Otto's still he's like the Muppets. Asleep. He's sitting up there. <laughs> he's sitting up there in his perch. <laughs> don't yells, mess with Captain Shuttle Ron. Con. Let me tell you something. Don't mess with Captain Ron. Yeah, he'll bring the drones out. Oh, he boy, will look fly out. a. Dr- We've flown the drone to the house. Be careful. The guy's an expert. You think Top Gun's impressive? Oh, you ought to boy. see this dude. Well, left, right, left, right, fake left. You talking about those things are hard to maneuver? Not hard to fly. for Captain Ron. It's oh, not. really? Oh no. Oh boy. Oh no. By the way, you're we, suspect. Yeah, be careful with Captain Ron. Um. <laughs> Yesterday, we ended the show uh, talking movies, since you and I have both uh, figured out Elvis and Top Gun. Yeah. We have been asked by the general public and our producers, not necessarily in that order, <laughs> to give our top blockbuster, summer blockbusters of all time. Top three, right? Yep, top three. Would you like to partake on this? Oh, absolutely. Because the audience apparently is dying to know what we believe to be the case when it comes to movies. And by the way, we are getting to ACC football and other sports maybe throughout the course of the show, I promise. Possibly. And Alex Atkins, who's the offensive coordinator of Florida State, will join us in the Power Hour. Chester over here looks like he's going to have a hacking fit. Well, he's getting sick. Oh, he is? Yeah. You can see it coming on? I can't. Has he got the vid? Well, he's on your side of the room, so I'm not really too concerned about it. <laughs> That's not very nice. Well, I was in a good mood a half an hour ago. Hey, what's this? You want it? You want it? You want it? Start off. You want Go to start it. it off? Yeah, because you, you're kind of showcasing our theme. Look at that. Speaking of themes, look at that. Look at that. Let me put it upside down. Look at it. Look. 
That's it. That's one of my three. Do you like my deck shoes? I do. Right? I think they're sharp. There it is. There's my three. Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you may say Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Well, what about Star Wars? Star Wars isn't the best movie of, of the original trilogy. Empire Strikes Back is. And might I add, one of our stipulations to this is it had to be a May or beyond release to qualify for a summer blockbuster. Yeah. So Jaws for me, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I would argue has the best 10 to 12 minute open of any film in the history of, of motion pictures, and then Empire Strikes Back. One, two, three there for me. All right. Again, I, I think that's a solid list. I, I can't argue with it, as a matter of fact. Okay. I cannot. Because we don't compare notes. Like, let's say with Wes. We did, Anytime yeah. we do lists, I don't want to know yours. You don't want to know mine. It's better when it's a live deal. Right. Uh, it's eerie how similar ours are. Right. It's eerie. And look at there. Jaws 1, Raiders 2. And oh. I went Caddyshack. I went old school comedy Caddyshack. And, 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 and Stripes was close. I got to tell you. Stripes was close. What are you going to free bowl of soup with that hat? <laughs> give me four of those. Give me six of those naked lady tees. By the way, speaking of uh, free bowls, stay tuned for later <laughs> in the week. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. You not could help not myself. help yourself. Uh, if you're watching the show. It's 710. Let me tell you something. If you're watching the show, you make note of that line right there and you'll go, that's what Pac was talking about. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, it's the, the ultimate tease. I'm going to cut you off before you get yourself in trouble. I'm I already in trouble. Remember, we're, all, we're, we're shifting the mood this way. I am. I feel good up. about it. feel so, better about it. Right before we came on air, we were talking about our all-time three best summer blockbusters. And I had made the, the comment, which I just made there, that I think <laughs> the opening of the film of Raiders of the Lost Ark is, is maybe the best ever. And you said no. You said no. No. So what would you say is the best, let's just say, opening 10 to 12 minutes of... I, I'm biased. I'm biased with this. Now, it's a great movie. And it was a great... Everything about it, I loved. Right. Loved everything about it. But I'm a James Bond guy. Okay. And all the Bond openings to me. Trump Are you everything. talking about like the credit stuff? No. No, no, no. The, the openings, the Bond flicks are yeah. the best. For me. Again, I'm biased. Yeah. I, and I don't even care if people disagree. It's like, hey, it's mm. for me. This is a totally selfish act. Okay. I'm a James Bond guy. I love all of them. Yeah, I, I love Bond too. I'm, I'm, love I'm all with of you. Them. I'm with you. I, mean, I love, listen, I'm not knocking your pick. It was great. And if you played it right now, in fact, people were like, could you guys please leave and let's just play that for 10 minutes? I mean, I get it. The big ball rolling down. Awesome. Right? The, the uh, Harrison Ford looking at that, that, you know, little Buddha head. Yeah. Trying to figure out how much it weighs. Yeah. No, everything about it was great. Poison darts. Okay. And by the way, going back, not the, here we are switching gears again. Going back, both of us had Jaws 1. Yeah. Uh, let me just throw another curveball. And folks can go on social media and rip us to shreds. I don't care. No, you can't. Um, we're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, we're wrong all the time. <laughs> no, no, not according to the internet. Here, here, yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'd say, though, with Jaws. Yeah, all right. Has there ever been a better musical note or notes for a movie that as soon as you hear it, now you know exactly what it is. Has there ever been another movie? Oh man, ever? I would say no. I think because when you it, hear, dun, dun, yeah, and, but, just two notes. Dun, dun, but do you want to know why the music ended up getting orchestrated that way by John Williams? Go ahead. Go ahead. The shark didn't work. 
that Excuse whole me? entire script. You mean the shark's not real? The shark's not real. The whole entire <laughs> script was altered because they couldn't get the shark to work because salt water was tearing it all apart. So they changed it around to give the illusion of the shark being there. That's how the music got tied into it. Seriously, that sound right there is, is oh, yeah, so no definitive. But think about that. Think and about let me you tell you see. something. Yeah. Last May, I'm in Turks and Caicos. Oh, here we go. And the captain says to me, hey, big boy, your boat is over there. <laughs> what? And so I go, yeah, sure. I guess I should jump into this so-called ocean and just swim over there. Well, how did you lo lose track of your boat? I got on the wrong boat. I know, but how did you get on the wrong boat? Because I'm an idiot. Oh, I just want to hear you say But it. as soon as I got in the water. Okay. And the first wave tumbled over me. Yes. And I'm sort of <laughs> throwing up salt yeah. water. Do you know what I heard? Dude. Play it. What I heard. That right there. Oh, man. That noise right there blows in the winds at Turks and Caicos. It's so great. Isn't it great? You know what's amazing there's about not, this? There's not another movie ever made that the music was so definitive as of that flick right there. So it's so, it's, it's unbelievable. You're right. And what's unbelievable is that same individual orchestrated the move, the music. For all three of my summer blockbusters. Uh, there you go. And Superman and Jurassic Park. I mean, think about the iconic soundtracks. Awesome. It's, it's, it's it unbelievable. ranks right up there with the theme for Packer and Durham. It's close. What is that again? <laughs> <laughs> we stole it. You stole it. All right. We have wasted everybody's time in no, the first 15 minutes of the show. Uh, I promise you we are getting into what they actually pay us to do which is not a whole lot of money, but nevertheless, we will still discuss the Atlantic Coast Conference. Oh, I thought football. you were going to say favorite food that if you had to have. That's at 945. That's at 945. That's at 945. 945. All right, let's, all right, let's, let's, give, let's give us a little dangle of carrot. 945. No pun intended. If you, had, yeah, if you had one food that you had to choose to eat every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? One. It can, it can be a genre. <laughs> But it's one. Wait, wait, wait. What does that mean? That means you could say Italian, or you could say oh no 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 Mexican. no 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 you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. No, you got to throw the dart. Well, I and hit didn't the bulls do that. Out. I was just trying to be a little bit more broad for people who may not have the ability. Uh, to specific I'll go for meat. Well, listen, our beloved producer gave two things when we said one. No, I ain't winning again. He's the smart people. He, he wanted two things, not yeah. one. He wanted the cheeseburger well, we and got fries. got a lower third graphic for those of you on uh, listening on radio. There you go. That's it. That'll be at 943.27. Says the Georgia Tech guy. That's right. He says we're two hours and basically 40 some odd minutes away or whatever it is. All right. We got to get out of here because a quick break. We come back. We start breaking down the ACC's Atlantic Division. I think, in my opinion... The most underrated division in college football for the 22 season. We will explain when we come back. Tom Luganville, filling in for Wes. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Uh, Packer and Durham. It's uh, Tuesday. Lucky number, by the way, is 656. 656. That's the lucky number? Today's lucky number is 656. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. Not for me, of course, but in general. <laughs>
All right, let's get busy here. Uh, the ACC's Atlantic Division. Tom, mm -hmm. in my opinion, I could be dead wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, we talked about great conferences around the country in terms of divisions mm -hmm. specifically. In my opinion, the ACC's Atlantic, from a national perspective, will be undersold by the national media. When you start talking about Clemson, who I think will be a top five preseason in yes. the neighborhood, NC State, who could very well be a top 10 preseason. At least top 15. Right. Mm -hmm. And Wake Forest, who I think will be in the neighborhood of the top 15. Mm -hmm. You got three in the division that, without question, are legit. Wake the defender, if you will, mm -hmm. in, the, in the terms of the division. Clemson should be loaded. NC State is loaded. And then you throw in Louisville with the, the numbers that they've got coming back. Florida State, with the numbers they've got coming back, especially where they play the second half of the season. Boston College, Jerkovic, especially if he can stay healthy. Yeah. And, you know, Syracuse, hey, not, I, I know they're probably going to be the bottom feeder of the division, but that group, in my opinion, not too bad when you start making comparisons around the rest of the country. Well, not too bad. And again, we, we touched on this on, on yesterday's show, on Monday's show, is the, the signal caller element to it gives particularly, I think, you know, NC State, Clemson, and Wake Forest significant advantages for a couple of reasons. Number one, the returning personnel around the experienced signal caller. And the fact that defensively, all three of those teams are going to be pretty darn good. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talk about quarterback play in this conference, top to bottom, being very, very strong, which it is. Um, and when we talk about the Atlantic, you, you, you got Cunningham at, at Louisville, all right? We, we're, we're, you know, we're Jordan Travis, Jordan Florida, State. Florida State might kind of be turning the corner, particularly on the latter part of, of the BC. end of the season, Jerkovic. Um, and we're going to talk through these quarterbacks too uh, later as well as, as we kind of build the, the the perfect ACC quarterback. But for for me, and and I and I look at Clemson because Clemson a year ago took so much public heat because for the first time in a long time things weren't going well, right? And the the, the quarterback was going down a path that, that was not good, wasn't accurate, couldn't get the ball downfield. And then you have opt-outs, you've had injuries, and they start off, and for the first time in, gosh, I don't know how long, they actually had to face some adversity and some criticism. And I think sometimes, especially when you're dealing with young people. And when, injuries. And injuries. When you're, when, you're, when you're going through that, and you've had such a run where you haven't had a lot of that, you haven't had a lot of criticism internally and externally, you haven't had a lot of injuries, you haven't had things that can seep into your locker room and your building as a negative. When you experience that and you haven't, what's the first thing that a lot of people would do? They, they would fold, right? They would, they would cower. They would, they'd find a way to make excuses because they don't know how to respond to it. This team did the exact opposite. And I said to you in the break, I think no matter what everybody says, okay, they missed the college football playoff. I actually happened to have their, their, their bowl game. And they beat a really good Iowa State team uh, down there at the Cheez-It Bowl. But for me, I think it was the best coaching job that Dabo Sweeney and his coaching staff have done since he's been at Clemson. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I just think that they, to right that ship, to not allow things to go in the tank, not allow things to snowball downhill. And then you mentioned something yesterday when we talked about NC State would have been three years ago, the season prior to the COVID year when they had all of those injuries. The they end could, of the 2019 season, the, NC State barely could put the team together. Barely could put the team together. And the next thing you know, all of those guys that had to play that shouldn't have. 
and all of the depth that was established. You look at that now, and that's why NC State is being thought of the way they are being thought of. Well, the exact same thing happened to Clemson a year ago. Yeah. Clemson, ended, especially on offense, ended up playing with a bunch of guys they weren't anticipating playing with. Now, it might not have been ideal at the time, but by the time you got to the end of the year, and now you've got an offseason, Clemson knows a lot more about their football team and their roster and what they have because of that that's going to help them, I think, transfer uh, that over into this fall. The, 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 the big looming question that everybody has is what's going to be the answer at quarterback? I mean, at the end of the day, all of the other pieces of the puzzle are in place. I mean, Will Shipley's got to stay healthy. All right. They got to be able to keep the same three, four wideouts on the field consistently um, so that you, you generate some consistency from quarterback to, to targets. But I, I think defensively, they're going to be loaded. But the question is going to be that guy right there. All right. Cade Kubnick, the true freshman. And I don't care how tall anybody is. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong your arm is. I don't care how good of an athlete you are. In Clemson's particular case, I care about where the ball goes. Where does the ball go? Clemson last year had one of their lowest average yards per pass attempt of any of any team that, that Clemson has had. Average yards of pass, per pass attempt is a direct reflection of explosive plays. Right? Or well, lack thereof in ex- this case. Ex- lack thereof in this case. So they've somehow got to become more consistently, sustainably accurate with the football and be able to get that intermediate to vertical passing game back where they get those explosive plays. Yeah, I mean, listen, defensively, and it's funny, when you look at their numbers, you know, 85% of their offense back, yeah. 50% of their defense back, you'd go, well, they're going to struggle on the defensive side. I'm telling you, no, I'm not, not so sure that up front, they're loaded, going into July – that I've seen a Clemson team from a from a pure depth chart standpoint mm-hmm. defensively look better than this group. No question. Now, they've lost all their linebackers. Like, oh, they got to replace their linebacker. I think they're going to be better at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy. They might be more athletic. Their speed, yeah. size, get to the football. And, of course, I know Brent Venables is gone. Uh, but you got a dose of that at the Cheez-It Bowl. I, I think sure. I think they're going to be okay on that. I mean, Venable's a great guy. Wish him the very best at Oklahoma. He did an incredible job at Clemson. But I think defensively, this team could be filthy good, like well, as good as we've ever seen them. And keep in mind, one of the things that, that Coach Sweeney has consistently done is promoted from within with the idea that the less we change, the, the less we alter personalities that are already in our building, the better off our kids are going to be at just transitioning through, easing the transition. And he's done that consistently. It is consistently paid off. I think it will this year as well. All right, uh, NC State and Wake, because I do think going into July, we're going to look at the Atlantic Division as a three-team race. And I mean that to be not disrespectful to Louisville, who I think is flying underneath the radar, Florida yeah. State, which we'll talk about later on in the show with Coach Atkins. Uh, and Boston College with Halfley, who's done a great job, and he's going to hopefully have Jerkovic and Zay Flowers completely healthy for a year. Yeah. But on the surface, those three teams, Wake, who won it last year, NC State, who everybody's jumped on the bandwagon, and Clemson because of the Tigers. Uh, that seems to be the case heading into the Atlantic Division. Would you not agree? I totally agree in that lower third graphic we've got on our screen there. The very first word is going to be the most important word for NC State as a program, and that is, can they meet it or exceed it? Um, you mentioned on yesterday's show on Monday, NC State is this year's version of North Carolina a year ago. Yeah. I could not agree more. Um, and that, I think, is the next hurdle. 
How do you, all right, so you beat Clemson last year, okay? Now you're NC State, you've got seven home games. All right, you got BC at home, you got Wake at home, all right, you got, you've got Florida State at home, Virginia Tech, I think, is at home if you're NC State. So you have the sketch, everything is laid out. Except one thing, at Death Valley. Valley. Correct. That's the only thing that's, that's not the laid only out. thing that's not doesn't mean laid you out. can't win there, mm-hmm. even though you haven't in twenty years. Right. But you got the mindset, hey, we beat these guys. And by the here. way, neither neither is anybody. Else. I understand. I mean, Clemson's only won what thirty four. Thirty four in a row. In a row. Yeah. But for NC State, yeah, it just feels like October first is more than just a game. There, there, there's no question about it. And and there, if you look at this schedule, they are likely the better team of everybody on the schedule, except for maybe one. Yeah, and I I not only say that as a team, but maybe even talent wise, they're better except for except for one. And so what you can't do is you can't go into September third and be on cruise control. All right, I think the number one thing that NC State's got to do you've got Devin Leary back, you've got a wealth of the defense coming back, you've got a ton of redshirt players that have played a considerable amount of football. That's becoming more and more rare in college football these days. You have to go in that opener at East Carolina. And you have to be a dominant football team, in my opinion. Make you a statement. Make a statement right out of the gate that it didn't matter how many people were patting us on the back. It didn't matter uh, what type of accolades you we gotta were You got to do everything receiving. North Carolina did, did not, not do, do right. in the first game. Right. And you know what? Just like Mac Brown found out, because he felt like he found this out in late July, heading into camp, he knew something was off with his football team. Dave Dorn will know that too. He'll know. He'll know. By the word he's getting back from his strength and conditioning coach, his training staff, where are we at as a team? Has our focus waned? Has our preparation waned? Have we soaked in what every preseason magazine has been saying about us? And he'll get a good feel for that. And if NC State can prove to come out of the gate hot, uh, they're they're going to be problematic. Now, you mentioned... Now, can I say one yeah. thing? And, and, and when people see that schedule mm-hmm. and they see, all right, East Carolina, yeah, okay, whatever. That's an improving program. That is a scary game. Mm-hmm. And the reason for it is for folks that don't know, don't, don't live in the state of North Carolina, that's a proud group out there in the eastern part of the state now. No doubt. G Vegas. And they will circle the calendar with the red and white coming to town, and they will play with their hair on fire, and that will be an emotional. Everybody's fired up for the first game. Sure. But that game will have some extra juice to the folks in purple and gold. Yeah. Because they get fired up to see NC State. Yeah. And they're, they're like you said, they're doing this too. Now, they're, right. now is NC State a better team? They yes. are. And no question about it. Mm-hmm. But now you got to go prove it. And you got to do it on the road. I think it's a critical game for NC State. So the getting to that on the road, not too dissimilar to North Carolina going on the road last year to uh, Virginia Tech. And what did North Carolina have to replace? They had to replace that run game, right? And I think with from an NC State perspective, you've got Devin Leary, who's been remarkably protective of the football, remarkably efficient in, in what he's done and how he's developed as a player. And now NC State's going to have to replace a first-rounder at tackle, and they've got to come up with some solutions to, to balance that offensive act and not have the entire thing riding on Devin Leary and the passing game shoulders. Right. I think they can do it. I do. I, I have faith in what NC State's all about in 22. Don't you? I, I absolutely do. And, you know, I think one of the things about Dave Doran that, that I've always appreciated is player development and the chip that he has on his shoulder. His team needs to borrow that chip. Yeah, and His team needs to have that. It'd thing. be one thing if they had won the ACC two, three years ago. And you say, well, yeah, we've kind of been there, done that. 
They haven't. Right. In, in 1979, it burns deep in the, the Wolfpack. So, I mean, that's a program whose fans base has put up the cash, their facilities. They want to be relevant, yeah. and they're on the doorstep. They yeah. really are. Yeah, no, they are. They're on the doorstep, and the next step is meeting and exceeding the expectation right. of an entire offseason. All right, w- real quickly, because I do think it's a three-headed monster in the Atlantic. Wake Forest, 11 wins last year. Everybody and their brother back offensively. They do have to improve on the defensive side. Yes. Brand Lambert's going to be the new D.C. Uh, but the Deeks have been really good at home, and they get seven home games in Switzerland for the 22 campaign, <laughs> and they get Clemson early. So yes. whatever the DJ, you know, Kate Klubnick thing is, which I have no idea, that will play itself out. The good news, I think, for Wake is you get – Clemson early, even though the Tigers have beaten them 13 straight. You get Clemson early. You've got Sam Hartman. You've got an extremely difficult offense to defend. And and, and, and again, a, a Clemson has seen it. But a Vanderbilt and a VMI and a Liberty defensively, I can promise you those three teams have been studying some Wake Forest on offense because you don't see what they do. And those three teams are going to be L, L, L. Wake's going to be 3-0 and with the Tigers coming to Winston-Salem. I, I, I would agree. I think that, you know, we talk about that chip on the shoulder with NC State. We talk about meeting or exceeding expectations. Wake's entire program has been founded upon proving everybody wrong. That's right. Always. Every day, every week, every month. You always hear about, oh, well, they got a small enrollment and they have maybe one of the smallest venues in college football. And, you know, they're, they got academic restrictions and they're not going to be able to go out and get this guy and that guy. They're 11 and three. So say what you want about all those sorts of things. The bottom line is they produce results. And they, like I said, been great at home. Yep. And with seven home games, and now there will be a different expectation on them, too. You know, oh, they yeah. won the division last year. Now, did they stink it up in Clemson? Yeah, they got smacked. Yeah. It's okay. You know, hey, noted. Yeah. They come to our house. We'll see what we can do with all that stuff. But I do think it's a three-horse race. I do. And I do think Louisville, Florida State, and Boston College in particular can be a thorn. I mm-hmm. think they could be a real problem to all these teams we've already mentioned. On You know, it's the any given Saturday scenario, right? No question. You don't, pa- you don't pack up your A game in your bag, and the other team comes in. They got everything to gain, nothing to lose, and next thing you know, you have a slip-up. And here's the thing. Malik Cunningham. <laughs> He's a problem. Jordan Travis. Phil Dracovic. That's the reason why those three teams, for anybody else right. that thinks, oh, we're better than those guys, well, you better play well because I got news for you. When the other guy has their chip on the shoulder and go, oh, big boy's coming to our house this sure. weekend – we got a quarterback who can go make plays and win games. And All three of them have it. And somebody will get bit, right? It's I don't gonna think there's any somebody. doubt. Somebody, somebody's no going to jump up and snip at somebody and cost them. And the question's going to be, what happens to either team after that? And then what? how do those teams that are remaining on the schedule view that team that jumped up and bit That's somebody, right. changed their mindset? It's going to happen. Yeah. It's college football. Yeah. It's just it's why yeah. we love it. Yep. Because you could sit here and analyze this all day long and go, all right, these guys think these are the three best teams. I promise you, Louisville, Florida State, or BC will beat one of those first three. I, yeah. I guarantee you. Yeah. I'd be stunned if that doesn't happen. Yeah, to be able to – running the table in this division or in this conference right now, everybody's quarterback is too good. So you go into every game and you got a chance, right? Because right? you have a guy under center that can get it done. Make plays. And they're all different, which we'll Very talk different. about later on. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, get more into the Atlantic Division today. We'll take calls to at 844-SAY-ACCN. But because we have Tom Luganville, and he's still right here before he gets to Hawaii, we're going to talk <laughs> recruiting. That's it. 
recruiting, always recruiting. We're going to find out what's happening in the league, who's hot, who's not, what you can expect. Nobody's signed yet. That's December. But we're talking recruiting next on Packer and Durham, right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, it is a Tuesday. Tom Luganville is about ready to go to Hawaii for a humongous event. He goes from the basement with dogs to Hawaii in a span of uh, 20-some-odd hours. Yeah. But we do have to talk a little recruiting. And we kind of we scratched the surface yesterday because there are some signs of life from other than the Clemsons of the world. You yeah. mentioned Louisville yesterday. You mentioned Miami, Miami. on a good run. Uh, I told you, you know, Clemson apparently is having a humongous June in terms of their haul. Right. Uh, give me something else to get excited as far as verbals. Again, I emphasize verbals because signing day is not until right. December. Probably Florida State um, addressing, which we've talked about for I don't know how many years now, where they're at in the offensive line. Top rated player in the class for us right now is is in the offensive line. They've got themselves a quarterback. When you start to look at, in my opinion, when you start to look at classes and how they're being built and how they're being constructed, when you start seeing offensive and defensive linemen and quarterbacks as the highest graded players in your class, you're going down the right path. All right? Because we can we can find receivers, we can find running backs, whether they're play right away guys or whether they're, they're guys that are going to be developmental, they can always morph into something because there's so many of them, but there aren't enough of those other guys. And if you're trying to chase Clemson, where do you have to improve? Up front. Offensive up front. Yeah. All right. And, and and that's where Florida State, I think, took the momentum of, you know, a quarterback finally playing well, them looking pretty organized, having a belief system by the end of that year, and carry that over into into recruiting momentum. Uh to me, I think and, and again the the common denominator, and we did touch on this on Monday, is eight verbal commitments for Florida State. All right. Almost everybody right now is in a single-digit verbal commitment scenario, and it's because of the extra year of eligibility. It's because of the transfer portal. You don't you don't know exactly what your hard cap number is going to be. It's not like you're going into every cycle and you say, "Okay, we got 23 in this class. Let's go get them." All right. So everybody's trying to manage and massage the roster in terms of sheer numbers, and so you're seeing the numbers, at least at the high school ranks right now, be lower across the board than maybe they have been in years past. And for Florida State, they've also taken advantage of the transfer rule, right? Yeah. I mean, they've done actually a pretty nice job in that department. There's been Especially some on offense. No question. Yeah, we're going to talk to yeah. you know Alex Atkins later yeah. on in the power hour, and we'll get into this even further. But they've done a nice job in that department. They've done a nice job in that department. Louisville's done a great job sure in that has. department in the defensive secondary. Yeah. And that's, you know, where do you – that's the one thing because – in, in some regard, you, you feel for the high school prospect a little bit because the trickle-down effect of all of this is affecting scholarship availability at that level, all right? So normally a scholarship that might be applied to the high school level is now being withheld for hopefully a, a quicker resolution by an upperclassman that's played Power 5 football that can come in and you feel helps you right away above and beyond what maybe the high school guy could do. So it's that delicate balance, but if you want to, if you want to turn that roster over quickly – you're now in a position where if you do a nice job in, a, in player evaluation and identifying the right guy, the one thing I think you got to be careful of in the transfer portal is why is the guy in the portal? You have to ask that question, and you've got to get a pretty good answer because what you don't want to do is bring somebody else's problem into your locker room, and now you have the problem. That's right. 
And that's really critical, I think, in player evaluation. Tom, um, Pat Narduzzi uh, continues to have dudes, right? Yeah. They win the ACC last year. They're obviously, that program is going in the absolute right direction. Right. Having Kenny Pickett back helped. I get all that. But, you know, you start looking at all these preseason you know, uh, estimations on who's going to be great, who's going to, from a player perspective on the defensive side, you still see a ton of guys from Pittsburgh. I mean, and defensively, you mentioned up front and getting after people. And, hey, guys with the ball, attack, 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 which has been Pat's deal. Even when he's at Michigan State, now he's doing it at Pitt. From a recruiting perspective, how, how would you categorize what Pitt's doing? They've gotten better. Now, they've taken the same mode of operation that I think he adopted from Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, and that is, all right, we're going to have a certain profile that we're looking for. We don't care where that player comes from, but he has to meet a certain set of criteria for him to be what, um, you know, OKGs, our kind of guys, all right, as Chris Peterson, the former coach at Boise and Washington, used to call him. But when I look at their class, all right, Tennessee, Georgia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Florida, New Jersey, Ohio. All right. That's a pretty wide net that they are casting. Yeah, no doubt. And, and don't you think their brand? Their has brand has expanded. I mean, no. The question. colors, the uniform, winning, winning, winning. winning. Changes winning, everything. It changes everything. And it's cyclical, right? You start to recruit well, you get more wins. Next thing you know, you're recruiting better, you get more wins. Now, all of a sudden, you have access to higher profile players. We just touched on that with Wake Forest yesterday. You know, you don't want to get away from what your model is, but all of a sudden, you start winning a lot more football games, and you have access to players that would have never had any interest in you before. And so that's a delicate balance of saying, okay, we don't want to deviate too far, but man, we didn't have access to this type of guy. And, and for me, I think that's what, what Pitt's all about. And don't you think their style... Has if you're a defensive guy, you're like, hey, you know what? Oh. I love it, man. Attack, attack, attack. We're coming after the quarterback, man with the ball. Always get him to the ground. I mean, yeah. that's you'll watch him play, and you know, they, you keep seeing pit guys drafted. Like, well, they probably have a down year. No, no, no. In fact, you look at what's coming back. You're like, doggone it, man. They've got still a half dozen All ACC players on a roster that won the conference last year. So, you know, the thing to me about that and the reason why it's a, a reload load scenario is they're not losing necessarily three and out guys. That's right. right. So they bring some guys in, redshirt them, develop them. And not everybody's going to redshirt. But the next thing you know, you lose a guy that's a redshirt junior. But the guy that's replacing him is a redshirt sophomore and played 40 percent of the snaps. Yeah. That's why you don't have the drop off. Yeah. You know, and instead, instead of losing that, let's just say that redshirt junior. And let's just say that you missed on a class or two uh, in terms of you misidentified. And all of a sudden, you have a big gap there and you're not good enough. So you decide to play with the true freshman instead. You go from a redshirt junior who departs. Now you're playing with a true freshman that should be redshirting, but he's not. Right. And you've got to play with him. And that's where you'd have the dip. So to avoid that, that, inner, that middle ground between the guy that's coming in and the guy that's departing, you've you got to be right on those guys and you've got to develop them. You have to player development to me is it's the whole it's the whole key now because not everybody's going to be Clemson not everybody's going to get a Christian Wilkins not everybody's going to get a Sammy Watkins not everybody's going to get somebody that just comes in and the moment they step on campus they're better than everybody else you're going to play with them well Those you talked are... about yesterday how few five stars there really are yeah it still doesn't mean you can't hit a home run with a three star that develops and turns as you said yesterday turns into a five star player or or that low four right that turns out to be guess what. We all missed the boat. The dude's a baller exactly. and can't wait to prove it. And there's a ton of those guys that, and you know, I was, 
often get asked the question, I think this is true at the NFL level, I think it's true in high school, college, what have you. One of the, the most important questions you have to ask yourself and find out the answer to when you are investigating a guy is, does this guy love football? Yeah. Does he love recruiting? Everybody and, loves recruiting. And you know what? That's true in the next level, too. When, Absolutely. And you find out. I mean, the NFL's got every advantage known to man to, find to get that, that right. Yeah. And they still ask that question. Yeah. Even with all the accolades you had in college, does he love, love to football. play? Yep. Right? And that's true whether you're, yeah. I think, hosting a show or whether or not you're a football player. Yeah, absolutely. Or you're, you're an insurance guy. I mean, do yeah. you love what you do? No and question. if you do, guess what? You roll up your sleeves and go, yeah. which is exactly what we're going to do. Because <laughs> when we come back, in case you missed it, old Rudd joined us yesterday to talk about Virginia and the defensive side because that's got to improve, no doubt about that. And you'll hear the interview in case you missed it yesterday. John Rudzinski, next on Packer and Durham, right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, Tom Luganville, before he gets to Hawaii, is going to hang out in the basement with us. <laughs> Wes is uh, rumored to be back tomorrow. Uh, yesterday, John Rudzinski joined us to talk about Virginia Football. And, of course, he's the defensive coordinator. And we discussed developing players. And here was his take. You know, I think, with, you know, with my previous experience, as you can imagine, the, uh, the portal had one way. It was out. Um, and, you know, here. So it's, it's a little bit different now um, in, that, in this environment. At the same time, there's a lot of similarities. And, and you look at as far as, you know, it really start, it starts in the weight room. And, and then, frankly, it's going to start every offseason for us going back identifying who we are personnel wise and then and then really you know investing in our guys and understanding that to be a good football program for our, for our guys to be really successful they need to believe that it's okay sometimes to be a significant contributor as a junior or senior and uh, and we'll be fortunate this year to have a bunch of those guys that are uh, fifth or sixth year guys that are, are here and are going to play great football this fall. Coach, I enjoy talking with defensive coordinators in this league, especially for the upcoming season, because you just mentioned the fact that when you go to practice, Brennan Armstrong's on the other side, and he's going to make your defense better. Uh, and I don't mean to give you an extra worry, some uh, op- opportunity here, but this league, from a quarterback perspective, is as good as anything I think there is in the country uh, in terms of quality, depth, uh, and almost everybody you go down this roster, I know you haven't worried about this yet, but this league, uh, I think, has the best collection of quarterbacks in the country. I'm curious to get your take on that. You may not even want to answer that question and go, I'll deal with that when we get to the fall. But man, the good news is you've got one that you see in practice every day. But, man, this league is loaded at quarterback. Yeah, well, thanks, Mark. I, I hope my wife's not watching. <laughs> um, just to, to remind her on, on the challenges I'll face this fall. Um, but, but the reality, frankly, is – is what uh, when you do go against a really good one that can make all the throws, um, it makes you better defensively. And frankly, what, what it does is it forces us to look at how we can be better schematically um, and then also to, to put players in the right position um, where, you know what, if, if you got to defend from sideline to sideline, um, defend the big ball, and then I also have to stop a really effective running attack, um, which we'll see from, uh, from Des Kitchens and the offensive staff. What would you consider the strength of the defense in the end of June? Now that could light, hey, listen, that could very well change by the time we get to the opener. But right now, based on what you've seen, what would the, what would be the strength on the defensive side? Yeah, no, I think when you look at our strength, our strength is going to um, be, be our opportunity to, to play unit football. 
Um, you know what? Is, is I think our, after getting out of the spring, the guys really embraced, um, you know, leading from their work ethic. And w when you look at what they've done and, and you know, watching these guys r run player-led workouts or go out there on the field and do extra work because it's important to them, um, what ends up making the difference. And, uh, you know, we, we got some great leadership that is exemplified through their work ethic. And uh, so I think being a unit will, will, will be our advantage. And, and frankly, I think it's something that being here at the University of Virginia, these guys take a bunch of pride in. John, did you have any relationship with Tony Elliott in any shape, way, or form prior to this gig? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, it really ties back to uh, his experience at the Air Force Academy Prep School. Um, and, you know, when he spent a year there, it's, you know, ended up being a network um, there and, and something that probably, um, you know, he kind of believed in the model there at the Air Force Academy to believe in, uh, to believe in me and, and believe in the, the system that we could bring here to Virginia. By the way, uh, we would be remiss if we don't bring up Air Force. Tom and I, before the show today, uh, were talking about movies, and he just saw Top Gun, and I saw it too, and we're going back and forth. <laughs> that experience for you, I mean, the quality uh, of the quote-unquote student-athlete and what it represents, um, how would you describe that to people? Yeah, I, I, you, I think when you just look at it, and I think it's, it's, it's broader than when you look at it, here just at the Air Force Academy or the University of Virginia, but the opportunity for you know, a young man to be part of this great game and to take so many life lessons um, with you. And you know, I tell you what, I think we're, we're all at a time right now with, with college football where we're trying to defend the collegiate model. And you know, there's no place that does that more than, than at a, a service academy, a place like the Air Force Academy that frankly is gonna develop great leaders that are going to go off and, and serve our, our great nation and um, shoot guys are going to go fly those those planes um, to defend our skies and and maintenance officers are going to fix fix those planes and and great airmen that are around the country and frankly great servicemen that get an opportunity to serve our country and so you know really humbling to be in an awesome environment like that um, at the same time I, you know what you when you look here at virginia you look at the opportunity for uh you know for guys to to end up winning in, in all aspects, um, it's going to be it's going to be neat to see what we can accomplish too for the futures of the young men in our program. You're right about that. You know, I've had uh, a lot of interviews with Jeff Munkin and Coach Ken at Navy, and of course, what you guys went through at, at, at Air Force, and they always talked about how incredibly awe-inspiring it was to go to work every day, knowing you were surrounded by the the best and the brightest. And I'm sure you feel very similar to that at the University of Virginia, given the academic stature. Yeah, you know, you just look at that. I've, I've been super impressed. You, you talk about an unbelievable alumni base and the, uh, you know, just the type of young men and, and now, now grown men that come back to the program that want to give back. Um, it's been special to be in an environment where this, that standard is so high and it's something that uh, is really, really special about being part of the University of Virginia. By the way, did you ever get you up one of those jets when you're out there at Colorado Springs? <laughs> you know what? I tell you what, I was, I was one of the guys that ended up fixing them. I, I, got, I got the opportunity. They'd try to rip the wings off of them. They'd land it <laughs> on the tarmac, and they'd say, hey, Tri hey, Rod, go try to fix this thing. And, uh, and then we'd have to turn those things around, and, and they'd fly them the next day. But, uh, no, I tell you what, I, I, got up, I got up in one of those little gliders. Um, I was with a, a gymnast. She was 100 and she's probably less than 100 pounds. And we were doing rolls and spins and, you know, I, I don't even have the correct terms. All my alumni brethren are going to be mad that I'm not using the right terms. But 
Anyway, we're, we do that, and I tell you what, I've never been so nauseous. We landed, and that was the last time I was in an Air Force plane. Yeah, all you, had, <laughs> all you had to do is say rolls and spins. Yeah. We understood. Are there any Gs yeah. in the glider? That's what I want to know. Are there any oh, Gs? Oh, yeah. They, they, I'll tell you what. You're pulling Gs in the glider. And, yeah, there you it's, go. Uh, it, tell you what, it's pretty cool. It, it, it's one of those neat programs that you get a chance to do as a, uh, as a cadet athlete there at the Air Force Academy. Awesome. Yeah, and that G stood for get me out of here is what that stood <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, to say the That's least. Exactly. Join our conversation. Still a lot of work to do at Virginia on the defensive side, yeah. but, man, they're going to score some points. They're going to score some points, and they're going to need to. They just got to get better players. I mean, the, the bottom line is uh, they don't have the personnel right now to be where they want to be, to be the type of defense they're going to need to be to complement what is going to be a very explosive offense. All right, we talked about the three-headed monster in the Atlantic with Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest. How about that rest of the group? Louisville, Boston College, Florida State, and Syracuse. We will discuss all of them. When we return, non-power hour, that's coming up next. Tom Luganville hanging out with us for a couple more hours. It's Packer and Durham right here on the ACC Network. Packer and Durham.